Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. In a podcast, where we learn, where we study, where we grow. Uh, we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Uh, today's a special podcast. This is a request podcast. Um, I can't wait to get to this one, and we're so grateful that we have listeners to request, and I've been getting a lot of requests. We're just so thankful uh, that we can all study together. Um, but before we get into that, let's give our uh, shout-outs. Uh, so, uh, number one, uh, we have listeners from North Carolina. Uh, so, if you are in the Charlotte, the Clemens, uh, Gastonia, or the Durham uh areas we're so grateful that you guys are listening to when the scriptures become real and it's so great that you guys are supporting the podcast so thank you so much um also from maryland um if you're in the cumberland the waldorf and i hope i'm pronouncing this right the abingdon area of maryland uh we're grateful that you're supporting the podcast from maryland and then also number three from uh virginia if you're in the Ashburn, the Chesapeake, or the Williamsburg area, uh, we're so grateful that you guys are listening to. Again, there's there's so many that we can get to, um, but I just named the top three or four. But if you're in these areas, we're just so grateful and so thankful uh, that you're listening to the podcast and that we're learning and growing together. We're just so grateful that we can do this together. All right, so let's get into our podcast for the day. So again, like I said, this is a request. And here's the topic, how to get over guilt after you have strayed, how to get over guilt after you have strayed. So sometimes when we think about guilt, guilt is a hard thing to get over. It's very hard um, because we're, we're so disappointed sometimes in, in what we've done. That sometimes because of our own disappointment, we'll kind of stay in the mud, if you will. And we'll kind of just stay there because we're so disappointed. And guilt, what guilt can do for the Christian, which is very dangerous, guilt can get us stuck and guilt can get us stagnant. So when we feel guilty, and and here's the problem too, when we feel guilty for what we've done, And also when we feel guilty for what someone close to us has done, sometimes what we'll do is after we feel that guilt, then what happens is we deem ourselves unworthy because I feel so guilty that there's no way that such and such can see me as worthy or God can see me as worthy or how God can see someone that I love as worthy. So what happens is guilt can get us stuck mentally and it can stagnate us. And so here's the question. How can we learn to get over this? There's got to be a way and there is a way. And I don't think this is really talked about as much. So I'm very glad that this was brought up. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to look at the life of Peter specifically 
but we're also going to look at the lives of, of other men in the scripture. And we want to under, here's the thing about guilt. There's a process to it, but there's a process to get over it too. And so what we're going to do, we're going to look at the life of Peter and these other men, and we're going to understand the process of how to conquer and get over guilt, even after we have strayed. So this is going to be really good. I'm very glad that we're doing this. All right. So let's get our Bibles here. And again, if you're new to the podcast, uh, what we like to do, we like to study with our Bibles open, uh, you know, just so it kind of just won't be, you know, a, you know, someone just talking, you know, we want to open our Bibles and let the Bible speak. All right. So let's go to Second um, Corinthians chapter seven first. So we got to understand this before we can get into our podcast for the day. Second Corinthians chapter seven. And I want to notice verse 10. So how do we get over guilt? What's the first thing to do? How to get over it after we stray? Number one, in order to get over it, the first thing you got to do is you have to have godly sorrow. You have to have godly sorrow in order to get over guilt. Well, what is that? Let's look at the text first. Second Corinthians uh, chapter seven, verse 10. Notice, so we're going to get some definitions here. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world, that worketh death. So we have to understand these definitions before we get into it. So we got to understand what godly sorrow is, and we got to understand what worldly sorrow is. It's two different things, but we got to understand what they are. So number one, godly sorrow. That type of sorrow, notice what does the text say? What is that text? What does it work? Godly sorrow works repentance unto salvation. But what does worldly sorrow work? Worldly sorrow works death. So what's the difference between them practically? Godly sorrow is when you actually feel guilty for what you've done because you understand that you've offended God. So that's why it says it works to salvation. And what is to salvation? You'll repent of it. But worldly sorrow, you're not sad that you have, or you don't feel that guilt that you offended God. You're just sorry because you got caught. So we have to understand where you're at right now. So if you're feeling guilt after you've strayed, do you have that? godly sorrow right now because you know that you've hurt god or right now do you have that worldly sorrow where maybe you feel guilty because you got caught so which one which one do you have so now let's look at we need to understand some examples of godly sorrow look at uh first samuel 24 first samuel 24 um and i want to look at verse number five and now I want to look at David, and David is described after, he's a man after God's own heart. Now notice here, so we have to understand the context context of this before we move forward. So David here, remember he's on the run from Saul. And so Saul is after David and trying to kill him. And so what happens here in chapter 24 is that David is with Saul in a cave, but Saul doesn't know. And so what happens is Saul here, he's actually in the cave and 
to be quite honest, he's there in one corner, turned around, taking care of his business. And then David comes behind Saul and he cuts uh, a little bit of his cloak. And when David does that, I want you to notice what David feels. Look at 1 Samuel 24, verse 5. Actually, starting verse 4. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of the Lord which the Lord has said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thy hand, that you may do to him as it seemed to be good to thee. Then David arose, and he cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily or secretly. And it came to pass afterward, notice what David felt. Then David's heart smote him because he cut off Saul's skirt. So think about what, think about David's situation here. You have a man that's chasing after you and trying to kill you. And David finally has the opportunity to kill him. But David only cuts a little bit of his cloak. And guess what David still feels after that? He feels guilty. He feels guilty. Why? He had godly sorrow. Now, how do you know this? Let's keep going through our text here. I want you to notice verse number uh, verse number 10. Behold this day, thine eyes have seen how the Lord delivered thee into my hand in the cave. Some bade me to kill you, but my eye spared thee. And I said, I will not put forth my hand against my Lord for he is the Lord's anointed. David's heart was so soft that he knew that this man wanted to kill him. And he had the opportunity to give him a piece of his own medicine. And his heart was so soft that he said, I wasn't going to do this to you because God put you in the, in the office of King. And I don't want to hurt God. Think about how, how soft this man's heart had to be. See, our hearts have to be soft in order to get over guilt. Now let's look at another example. Look at look at Luke chapter 22. And we're going to tie these together, but we need to look at these examples first. Look at Luke chapter 22. And so we got to start in verse 34 first. So again, remember here, Jesus is, is getting ready to die here. But notice what he tells Peter in verse 34. He says, Peter, I tell you, that the cock or the male fowl shall not crow this day before uh, thou shalt deny me three times. So Peter or Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me three times, but watch what happens here. So look at, so jump down to verse 59 of the text in Luke 22 and about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed saying of a truth this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately the cock crew and the Lord turned and he looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. And he said unto him, before the cock crow, you will deny me three times. Now, what did Peter do? What was his reaction? And Peter went out and Peter wept bitterly. So what was Peter's reaction when he knew he offended God? Peter wept. See, here's the thing. Here's the, here's the thrust of what we're getting to with David and Peter. When you feel guilt, do you, do you weep? Do you understand what you've done? Because if you don't, then you'll never change. Then you're in the worldly sorrow category. 
we have to be in the godly sorrow category. So here's here's the point I'm getting to here. How to get over guilt after you strayed. The point is guilt is actually a good thing to have. Because guilt actually means your heart is soft. You feel something. You understand that what you've done has offended God. So having guilt is actually a good thing. It makes your heart soft. But here's the thing. You can't stay there in that state. So what if Peter, after he offended Christ, would have just stayed there and cried and did nothing else? See, it's one thing to feel guilt, but you have to do something to get over it. You can't stay there in that state. That's only a process to get over it. But what happens is when something happens, people stay there in that guilt stage and they won't move. So all they'll do is they'll just think about what they've done rather than move and progress out of that state. So in order to get over guilt, number one, we actually have to have it in the first place. And so here's the problem. The problem becomes that many people, when they experience guilt, they let the guilt take over. And so when guilt takes over, what happens 100% of the time When guilt takes over in your life, it will stagnate you because you will always be weighed down by what you've done. But what is godly sorrow? What what did the definition say in 2 Corinthians 7? For godly sorrow, when you understand you've offended God and you have that guilt, for godly sorrow works what? It works repentance unto salvation. So when you feel guilty, what should guilt lead to? What's the next, what's the next process? According to 2 Corinthians 7:10, guilt should lead to repentance. But what happens is we just stay there and feel guilty. See, now here's what happens too. Sometimes we get to the point where we stay in that guilty stage. And so instead of getting over the guilt, this is dangerous too. Instead of giving, getting over guilt, we learn to cope with it. And then after we learn to cope with it, then we justify it. See, we're going the other way. When we do that, then we're going towards worldly sorrow. See, godly sorrow feels the guilt and repents to it. Worldly sorrow feels the guilt then learns to cope with the guilt and then justifies the guilt. How do you know that's true? Look at first Timothy chapter four. This is what happens when you, when you justify, when you start to cope with guilt, uh, first Timothy chapter four. And I want to notice verse number two. Yeah. First Timothy four, two. Now Paul is speaking here to Timothy and he's telling him that there's false teachers coming. But notice the mindset of these people. So look at verse number one. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. What else will they do? Speaking lies and hypocrisy. And notice their mindset. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So do you understand what that concept means? When you have your conscience seared, 
with a hot iron. You have gotten to the point of coping and you've gotten to the point of justifying your guilt that when someone comes along to try to help you, when someone comes along and presents the Bible to you, when someone comes along and tries to change your life with the scripture, what you'll do is you'll attack them because guess whose conscience is seared? You've 100% convinced yourself that, wait a second, I'm not, I'm not the problem. I'm the victim. And so when you think you're the victim, then now you think everybody owes you something. So when you, whenever you play the victim role, that's a role that's very dangerous because when you play the victim, then you expect everybody else to do something for you. And that's, that's exactly what Satan wants you to do. Then you'll stagnate yourself. So then you see the process of how guilt can go the other way. So if you don't handle guilt the right way, then you'll cope with it. Then you'll justify it. And then next thing you know, then you've literally gotten to the point where you feel like you haven't done anything wrong. And so now your conscience is seared with a hot iron. And no matter what hits that, it doesn't matter because you think, well, I'm the victim. You've convinced yourself that you're the victim. See, now this is why people won't repent. People don't repent because their conscience has been seared. And what happens sometimes is people don't repent because everybody else tells them that they're the victim. Oh, yeah, you don't have to do anything. Oh, yeah, you're okay. Oh, yeah, you know, you're never wrong. You're never, you're the one, you're the party that's always did everything right. People egg that on. And then so when you get support from other people, then you're like, well, maybe I'm not the bad guy. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm the one uh, that needs to be, you know, pampered and, and, and catered to. So now, now your conscience is starting to be seared. See, what's the difference between godly sorrow? Godly sorrow feels that guilt. Worldly sorrow sears it. Does that make sense? Godly sorrow feels it. Worldly sorrow sears it. So your heart can become so hard that when the word of God is presented, you literally will not understand it because you've seen yourself as the victim. And this is what, and this is what Paul said. Paul said, people are going to come. They're going to depart from the one faith. They're going to start preaching other things. And when you, as a preacher of the gospel, when you start presenting the word of God, then these people will think that you're the one that's crazy because their conscience is so seared with a hot iron that no matter what the word of God says, they won't change. He said, you got to be ready for that. These are people that don't know what to do with guilt. So how do we get over guilt after we've strayed? Number one, we have to have godly sorrow in order to get over it. So feeling guilt is actually a good part of the process, but you can't stay there. So then what's, what's number two? Not only do we have to have godly sorrow, but number one, or number two, we have to remember the word of the Lord. Quickly go back. Go back real quick. Go back to Luke 22. We got to go back. Yeah, Luke 22. Now remember, <clears throat> when Peter understood 
that he offended God. Notice what verse 61 says. So we got to understand where Peter's at. So Peter feels guilt. He's exactly where he needs to feel. But now Peter has to make a choice. All right, I've totally just, I've strayed from the Lord. I've literally told people, I don't know who he is. I've literally told people I had nothing to do with him. So now I feel guilty for straying from God. So now Peter can either change or Peter can make himself the victim. What does Peter decide to do? Look at verse 61. And the Lord turned and he looked upon Peter. Now, what did Peter do? And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. What's the next step after we feel guilt? After you feel that guilt, which is the good thing to have, what's the next step? You have to remember the word of the Lord. Well, what do you mean? What is sin according to the Bible? Sin is a transgression of God's law, meaning God said, don't do this, and you've crossed that law. So when we stray away from God, what must we learn to remember? We must learn to remember the word of the Lord. But here's the thing, guys, and I've learned this personally, and I've seen others uh, as I as I'm in ministry, sometimes with the gospel, you can open up the word of God and you can teach one person. And when one person hears it, then they're going to just obey it because they know that they need to. So their their heart is soft. But then you have another person. Who you you tell them the exact same message that you told the first one. But the second person, they won't obey it. And so here's what happens sometimes. Sometimes people will not remember the word of God until they're at their lowest point in life, when they have nothing else to remember. See, when you're wrong, but you're living right. And what I mean by living right, when you're living a life that God doesn't want you to live, but your finances are straight. You seem to have a happy life. You got everything that you want. Sometimes people won't obey the gospel because they feel like they don't need it right now. But sometimes people won't remember the word of the Lord until they're at their lowest. So remember the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. But if you look at verse number 17, after the prodigal had spent all of his money on riotous living, notice he did the same thing that Peter did in verse 17. So after he's sitting there in verse 16, eating with the pigs or eating with the swine, verse 17, the Bible says, and when he came to himself, see, sometimes we can't learn to remember the word of God. And sometimes we won't come to our senses until God knocks us down. Because when you're so prideful and when you're at a level where you feel like, can't nobody tell me nothing? Because I'm, I've been successful without you. So what do you, so why would I listen to you right now? See, you won't listen to the word of God until God knocks you down. And so Peter was knocked down. The prodigal son was knocked down. Who else? Look at Daniel chapter four. This is the, this is a biblical principle. Look at Daniel chapter four. 
And here's another great example too. So we saw the, the, the New Testament, but I want you to look at the Old Testament here. Daniel chapter four. And let's see. I want to go to verse number. Actually, I want to start in verse 30, I believe. Yeah, I want to start in verse 30. See, sometimes when you got an old Bible like this and your pages start to sticking, <laughs> that's what mine's doing right now. All right, so Daniel chapter 4. Now, here's the, the, the concept of what's happening here in Daniel. You have uh, Nebuchadnezzar here. But what happens is Nebuchadnezzar is so prideful. And if you notice uh, chapter 4, I want to start in verse number 30 of Daniel chapter 4. So notice what's happening here. So Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon, which at this time is the most powerful nation in the world. The most powerful. So notice what happens. Actually, start in verse 29. And at the end of 12 months, he talked about Nebuchadnezzar. He walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. And the king spake. And look at what, what King Nebuchadnezzar said. Is not this the great Babylon that I have built by the kingdom, by the might of my power and by my honor and my majesty. So notice, notice how prideful Nebuchadnezzar was. Sometimes even as Christian people, we can get to that point where sometimes I think we forget who helped us get where we are. Well, I pulled myself by my own bootstraps. Well, you know, I worked hard. Well, I got through this. Well, it was, it was my strength. It was, it was my ability. It was my resilience. Sometimes we're just like Nebuchadnezzar. We look at our own lives as our own palace. And we say, I built my palace by myself. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar did. But watch this. Verse 31. And while he was yet speaking, there came a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and he gives it to whomever he wills. And that same hour was the thing fulfilled unto Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and he ate grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird claws. All right, it's like a horror movie, isn't it? <laughs> Think about one minute you're saying how great you are, and while you're still talking about yourself, God says, first of all, the kingdom's taken away from you, and then second of all, I'm going to drive you away from men, and you're going to become like a beast. So this man literally gained bird feathers and bird claws, and he was wet with dew and he ate grass. Think about at one moment you're here and literally within a snap, you're eating grass. You see, sometimes, sometimes the Lord can't help us until we're at our lowest point. You see, when you got everybody on your side telling you you're the best thing since sliced bread, and everybody's flattering you and everybody's saying you're great and everybody's saying you're this and you're this and you're this and you can never fail and you're this and you're this and you need to do this and you ought to do this. People can, people will build you up. 
but the same exact people who build you up are going to be the same exact ones that are going to tear you down. And sadly, this happens in the church. The same people that say Jordan's this, 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 and this are the same people behind closed doors saying he's this, 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 and this. So that's why Proverbs mentions don't listen to flattery. And so Nebuchadnezzar thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. And so he built him own, his own self up. But notice the Lord took him down. Sometimes we won't be able to listen to the word of God until God sits us down. And sometimes that's the only way that we'll be able to listen to him when we don't, we don't have nobody else around us, when everybody else that was around us is gone, and now it's just us. So how, how else are we going to get over guilt? We got to remember the word of the Lord. Sometimes what guilt is for the Christian, sometimes guilt is a sign for your conscience to remember who you really are. Sometimes guilt is a sign to remember who you are and remember the word of God. Because when you feel guilty, you should want to go back to what helped you in the first place. And what helped you? The word of God. But when did you start to start to stray? Maybe when you started to believe all the flattery. Maybe when you started to believe that you were the best thing since this, this, and this. And you bought into what everybody else was saying. And so then when someone else came along to try to help you, then you, you've already bought in. Sometimes when we feel guilty, we have to remember God's word. Now, notice what Nebuchadnezzar did. So after he turns into a beast, watch what happens in verse 34. And at the time when the days were done, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes unto heaven and watch. And my understanding returned unto me. Sometimes your understanding won't return to you until you're knocked down. And notice what he said. And I blessed the most high and I praised him and I honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Notice how his tone changed earlier. What was he saying? Look at this kingdom I've built. Look at my majesty. Look at my power. Now, what is he saying? Now he's saying God's power. Notice he's saying, I praise God who lives forever. Notice God is the everlasting dominion. You see, here's a great process about guilt. You should, you know, you're growing when, as you start talking about things, it's less about you and it's more about God. See, what happens is, and let me give a quick lesson to our, our young preachers out there. And I'm not saying it's wrong to use personal examples. And I'm not saying it's wrong to say that you've helped this and you've done this and you've done that. I'm not saying that it's wrong. But this is what I'm saying. If you get up and if you preach a 30 to 45 to an hour sermon and half of that sermon or the whole sermon is you building up building yourself up to what you've done and what you've accomplished and how many you've baptized, how many you have helped, how many you have. If I know more about you and your successes than I know about what Christ has done for you, that wasn't a real sermon. See, sometimes we make sermons like testimonies. 
the Lord has never wanted us to give a testimony. The Lord has always wanted us to extol him. But what happens is we make everything about us. We have to make things about. So when people see me up there preaching, they should never say, look at Jordan up there. They should say, man, I can see the image of Christ of what Jordan is preaching. But what happens is when I get down, then everybody knows my life story. Now, preaching is not about everybody knowing your life story. Preaching is about letting people know how Christ has helped you and how Christ can help them. Well, how can we let people know that by preaching Christ? And I'll get into that in a second. But again, when we talk about guilt to get over that, we got to remember God's word. And in order to remember God's word, everything has to be about him. Then number three, how do we get over guilt after we've strayed? Number three, become better. You see, Peter, Peter used his guilt after he strayed from Christ to help teach others about Christ. And again, like we mentioned before, Sometimes this happens when we get over things. That's a wonderful thing. When we've got over certain things in our life and we've gotten over obstacles, that that's wonderful. But again, like I mentioned before, don't make it about you. See, sometimes what a sermon can turn into a sermon can turn into a motivational speech. Meaning this, let's say hypothetically, let's say that I've gotten over I don't know. Let's say I've gotten over a personal problem in my life. I don't know what that is, but you can, you can plug whatever you want in there. What can happen is when I get up to preach, I use my name a lot. The whole thing is about my story. The whole thing is about my, but then what happens is we spend 45 minutes explaining our difficulty. And then the last 15 minutes, then we say, well, I couldn't have done it without God. Well, wait a second. Why don't you start off with God? See, sometimes I don't think we can, we don't think we can do that, but we can. See, Paul in the scripture, yeah, Paul mentioned his struggles. Paul mentioned, I used to be a Pharisee. Paul mentioned, I used to think I was doing right. Paul mentioned, I was ignorant. Peter mentioned these things. But when you think about Paul's sermons, when you think about Peter's sermons, how many of those were directly about his story? What did Paul always direct people to? He directed people to Christ. But every sermon, did Paul start off every sermon by, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was walking down on Damascus and the light came down. He starts every sermon off that way. He doesn't have to. Because Paul understands, look, I understand who I was, but I'm not there no more. I'm here now. I'm, I'm talking about Christ and what he's done in his sacrifice and his resurrection. Yes, Christ helped me to get over my who I was as a Pharisee. Yes, Christ helped me get over who I used to be in killing Christians. Yes, Christ helped me get over being ignorant of his word. But I don't have to spend the entire 50 minutes of a sermon talking about Paul. Paul said, I want you to see Christ. You see, Peter got better. Paul got better. So when they got over their guilt, they didn't spend time talking about themselves. When they got over, they said, look, look at what Jesus did for me, guys. 
Look at what he did. Imagine Peter in Second Peter chapter one, verses five through eight. Peter tells us to add certain things to our faith. Peter said, add to your faith, faith, or add to your faith, virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and all those other things from verses five through eight. But before Peter started that, did Peter have to say, well, guys, let me spend an hour talking about how I, how I uh, denied Christ. And let me tell you how I cried. And let me tell you, did Peter have to lead off with that? What did Peter do? Peter said, add to your faith this. So what can we what can we imply? That at one point, who didn't have all these things in verses five through eight? Peter. See, here's the thing about when we get over guilt. And that's a wonderful thing. And I'm so thankful for my brothers and sisters that have gotten over certain things in their life. I'm so thankful for my brothers and sisters that have conquered guilt, that have conquered addictions, that have conquered uh, drugs, that have conquered all these things. And I'm so thankful that you're in the kingdom. And I'm, I'm thankful that we have men and women like you to be able to teach others who may fall into that temptation. I'm thankful that you're here. And I'm grateful for you. But when you start to teach, when you're on the other side of guilt, don't make the story about you. Make the story about Christ who helped you conquer it. So think about, so what did Nebuchadnezzar say? Let's go back to our text. Nebuchadnezzar started by saying, look at my kingdom. Look at my palace. Look at what I've built. Look at, look at my, my, my. But then when he realized that God helped him, then did he talk about Nebuchadnezzar anymore? It's not what my Bible says. My Bible says I extol God now. It's his kingdom, his authority, his power. You see, so instead of saying, let me tell you my story, let me tell you my testimony, why don't you say, well, without Christ, without his love, without his mercy, without his strength, without his patience, without his long suffering, then I couldn't have got through this. So maybe you're going through what I've went through. Well, guess who Christ is for me? Christ is merciful. There's a whole sermon. Christ is long suffering. That's a whole sermon. Christ has strength. That's a whole sermon. Christ is love. That's a whole sermon. Can you see how you're directing people to him rather than your heroic story? I've gotten through things. You've gotten through things, and I'm glad. But who's the real hero? It's not me, and it's not my successes. The real hero is Christ. Well, let's keep reading through our text here. So what else did Nebuchadnezzar say? Look at verse, look at verse uh, 36. And at the same time, when I realized it was all about God, then my reason returned unto me for the glory of my kingdom and my honor and my brightness returned and my counselors and my Lord sought me and I was established in my kingdom and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now, now I Nebuchadnezzar, I praise and I extol Nebuchadnezzar for getting through everything. Now I praise. Yeah, I used to be a beast, but I got through it with God. And you can. What did Nebuchadnezzar say? 
did Nebuchadnezzar make it about himself at the end? What did he say? He said, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, I praise, I honor, and I extol the king of heaven. And all his works are truth. All his ways are judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. When you talk about guilt and getting over it, number one, what we have to do is we have to have godly sorrow. Then number two, we need to remember the word of the Lord. And three, we have to come better. Now, here's, here's, here's the warning, especially from Daniel 4. What happens is sometimes people take the right process. So they, get, they feel that guilt, they repent, they, they learn from the word of God, and they get better. But then moving forward, now know it's not about you anymore. So it's great that you've gotten over what you've got through. And I can't imagine going through what some people have gone through. I can't imagine. But even so, who do you want people to be proud of? Do you want people to know who God is? Or do you want people to know what you got through? Make it about Christ. Don't give Christ his 15 minutes at the end. And then 45 minutes is all about your story. Give Christ the whole story. Because without him. You couldn't have got through what you got through anyway, right? So why make 45 minutes about you? You see, when we talk about getting over guilt, the last step is understanding that without God, I couldn't have got through anything anyway. So now when you see somebody else who's going through your same, your same guilt, when you see somebody else that's going through the same addiction, when you see someone else going through the same problem, then what's your role for them to tell stories? Your role for them is to tell them about Christ who helped you out. Didn't Jesus tell Peter that after you're converted, what do I want you to do? I want you to go around and tell everybody how great Peter is. And I wanted you to tell everybody how great and what you've gone through. I want you to tell them about God. I want you to tell them about me. And what did Jesus tell Peter before he left? He told him three times, if you love me, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep with what? Your stories, your testimonies. Feed them with the word of God. Because what did Peter end up becoming later? He became an elder. And what is the role of an elder? Feed the sheep. Feed the sheep with what? The word of God. How to get over guilt after you strayed. You got to feel these things. You got you to feel that godly sorrow. You have to remember the word of the Lord and you got to become better. And quickly, I just, just to reiterate, I'm so grateful for the things that all of you all have gone through because some people have gone through things that I haven't. So I don't want to sit here and I don't want it to sound like, well, Jordan, it just seems like you just never, you don't want people to understand my struggle. You don't want people to understand what I've gone through because it was hard, because it was tough, because it was difficult. Not many people have gotten through it. I understand. 
but are you the first one to get through it? And are you the first one that's ever going to get through it? So my thing I'm saying is this, I'm grateful for your story. I'm grateful for what you've gotten through and I'm grateful for where you are. But now all, all I'm saying simply is now make it all about Christ. That's all I'm saying. Make it about him because he's the one that gave you the strength, the mercy, the forgiveness, and the power to move forward. So moving forward, now make it all about him anyway. That's all I'm saying. So grateful that we can we can study together. These are great topics. Sometimes these aren't the funnest uh, topics to talk about, but these are topics that we need because Christians, we all feel guilt. Sometimes it, it sticks with us, but hopefully we can continue to learn and study and grow together. I'm just so grateful for you guys for listening. Uh, follow more of the podcast on YouTube. Listen anywhere you can get your podcast. Uh, subscribe there on YouTube. Uh, I'm on Instagram and also on Facebook. Uh, follow me there and we continue to learn and study and grow together. Thank you guys.